Well, today I want to talk about uh, the principle of priority. We've got a couple standalone messages for you. We've, we did like a 10-week series not too long ago on the Beatitudes and uh, eight or nine. I don't know. It was a long time. And so uh, last week, Mikey, Pastor Mikey shared with you today. I want to talk about the principle of priority. Next week, Dr. Martin Jones is bringing an incredible message to you from the book of John. And then we have, it's guess it's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas at the Gathering series kicks off. I can't wait to start that on December 4th. And so uh, exciting things as we close out the year together here. But today, I want to talk about priorities. Priorities. Our priorities get a little bit disordered sometimes. You know, uh, I was in the Coast Guard for nine years. And uh, while I was there, I did have a call sign. Maybe you've seen Top Gun. You know, uh, there are call signs like Maverick and Goose and uh, Rooster Hangman. There were all these cool call signs that they had. I had a call sign in the Coast Guard for missions. And my call sign was Snacks. And I received this call sign because uh, when we would go out on missions, we would wear a bulletproof vest type situation and big, big body armor thing. And it had these ammunition uh, holders all the way across the front, four of them, uh, with then four more on top. So eight bunch, bunch. It was heavy. And uh, it was already very heavy. And I noticed in one of our manuals that it only required us to carry two. And we were all carrying four. And so after I read it in the manual, I took two of my pouches off and instead put a big uh, sack there, a big pouch there that I filled with snacks. I would uh, put loose Cheez-It crackers in there and just fill it all the way up to the top, put some Tootsie Pops in there as well. And so the first time I went out on a mission with that setup, uh, our chief, the guy in charge, looked at me and he said, Redwine, what's going on with your vest? Where's your ammunition? And I was like, well, chief. I read in the manual, this page, this page, that I'm only required to carry two extra magazines of ammunition. And so I added this pouch. He said, what do you have in there? First aid? What's, what is that? Extra kit? Extra gear? And I was like, no, chief. It's private. Don't ask me what's in there. And so he had me unzip. And as I did, a bunch of Cheez-It crackers spilled out onto the floor. And from that point on, I was known as Snacks and Snacks Only. Now, what the chief got upset about was that I had decided that once we went out into a mission, my priority was not on having extra ammunition should there be something going wrong and I need to support my team, support my unit. Instead, what was important to me was snacks. And I told him, I said, chief, there's like a 2% chance that I'll need all this ammunition. There is a 100% chance I'm going to need all these Cheez-Its. And so, snacks I became. We get our priorities out of order sometimes. We disorder them. Silly things happen and scary things happen. Today I want to talk about how we keep our priorities in line with a way that keeps us safe, that keeps us happy, that gives us fullness of life, satisfaction in life, joy in life, peace in our hearts, all the things that God's designed for you, all the ways that he's dreamed for you to live. Uh... I want to talk about how we keep those things in line today with something we talk about often called the principle of priority. The principle of priority. It's one of the most important ways we get close to God. And the principle of priority is this. God gets the first of everything. God gets the first 
of everything. This is one of the most consistent teachings in the story of Scripture, this principle of priority. We see it from Genesis to Revelation. It appears over and over and over again in many different ways, sometimes as law, sometimes as wisdom, sometimes just as the way the people that God honored the most were living. The principle of priority, as we talk about growing closer to Jesus, we talk about something called spiritual formation, which is you being formed and not me being formed into a fully mature follower of Christ. We cannot succeed in these things unless we understand and we implement this principle of priority. God gets the first of everything. It should direct how we invest our time, our talents, and our money. And so today, I want to help us apply this principle of priority in our lives in a way that's really going to bless you and free you and lead you closer in your relationship to Jesus. I want to read a story in the Bible. It takes place right at the very beginning of the Bible, right at the beginning of the narrative between God and man. And it shows us what it looks like when our priorities are out of order. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 4 today, beginning in verse 2. It says, Now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. My Sunday school people know where we're going now. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must rule over it. And now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. It gets very extreme, very fast in this story. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, the ancient story of brotherly rivalry, the first murder in human history. One brother turning against the other. And what was it over? Jealousy, rage, shame, all because priorities got disordered. Priorities got disordered. When our priorities are out of order, it produces a lot of things in us that lead us to places we don't want to go and to become someone that we don't want to be. Let's look at Cain's issues in this story where Cain went wrong. Cain just gave what was left. Cain gave what was left. This is an ancient story. In the biblical narrative, we're near to the beginning of humanity in general. We don't know if Cain was the very first child to Adam and Eve, although we believe he was. Or we don't know if it was just Cain and Abel at the time. There may have been others. There were probably others. After Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve have a son named Seth, and he is the ancestor of Noah. So it's his line that we see a lot in genealogy as the story moves forward throughout the Bible. This is an ancient, ancient tale. At this time, God's relationship with humanity was different. There was no prophets or temples or 
churches. There was no written law. God's relationship with humanity was more relational. And it, it, was, it was early. And there, there were, humanity didn't have a great understanding of God yet. And God had a lot of revealing that he was going to do over the narrative of the Old Testament. But at this time, there is no written law. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no rules that people are given and called to live by. Instead, there simply is this relationship between God and man. In fact, the ancient aspect of this story is one of the reasons that we know that tithing, that this idea of giving God our first is a significant part of following God and is without beginning or end because we see it in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis and it carries on through the narrative of scripture all the way to the very end. It doesn't go away. It doesn't get rewritten. It doesn't disappear. It's this important part of our relationship with God demonstrated in the way that we prioritize our relationship with God. It's in this story, not as a law, but as a living principle. Cain and Abel bring offerings, and Cain's is rejected, and Abel's is accepted. It says Abel gave the animal that would be set aside for feasting once the law was established. He gave what was called the fattened calf, the firstborn lamb or the firstborn calf that was given the best food and was fattened up. And they reserved this as the very best of the flock. The fattened calf, the firstborn calf, was often uh, was given to the temple and sacrificed to God. It was the tithe that the shepherd would give or that the herder would give or it was set aside for important feast days. There was a lot of feast days in this culture. And when they would feast, they would feast on this firstborn fattened calf. This is the best meat. is the very best and the first. And by giving his first and best, Abel showed God that he was first in his life. And so God accepted his offering because it was his first and best. Cain, on the other hand, gave some of his fruits. He gave fruits that were left over. How do we know? The context and the language. The context and the language are very important here. In fact, this story in English looks different than this story would look if we were to read it in the original language of Hebrew. And that is because there are two very different words for fruit of the harvest. All of these words have different meanings. One word the word that we see here for what Cain gave simply means fruit. In fact, it means part of the second harvest. It means part, part of what was when they would go back through and get what was left behind. The other word for fruit that we harvest means first fruit or the best and first part of the harvest. The Hebrew word used in this story represents the second Harvest, what was left behind, what was left over after the farmer had already gathered enough to get through the next season. We know that Cain did not give his best and his first because the language tells us so. He gave what was left over and he kept the best and first for himself. Now, Cain's heart in this was probably not nefarious. He probably was thinking about how hard he worked to sow that harvest. 
He probably was thinking about the winter that was ahead or the season that he was going to have to prepare for. And he wanted to make sure that he and maybe even his family were well provided for in the time that was to come. And so they protected the first and the best as a means of protecting themselves and setting up security for themselves. But at the end of the day, he kept the best for him and he withheld it from God. We do this too, not intentionally. Not because we're out there thinking, what can I do to keep from God today? We're not thinking that way. We're not trying to hold on to our time from God, even though we are not managing it with him in mind. We are holding on for dear life as our time tells us where to go and where to be and what to get done so that we can survive in this world and in this life. And yet we are giving God only what remains at the bottom of the bag. We are not doing this intentionally with our finances. We've got a lot to plan for, a lot to pay for. Inflation is crazy. It's insane. Milk costs $22 a gallon right now, and we're having to figure out how to make it. We're not trying to keep anything for ourselves because we don't want God to have it. It's just because we think we need it. And Cain does the same thing. He gives God from what he has remaining. We do it with our time. We'll read the Bible if we get to it. We'll pray when it's not such a busy day. We give God what's at the bottom of our budget. We give him one Sunday a month for church if nothing else comes up. We're not trying to hold back. We've just got our priorities disordered. Second, Cain gave for the wrong reasons. He gave for the wrong reasons. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's this awesome chapter of the Bible, and it's called the the Faith Hall of Fame. The Bible lists off all these incredible people uh, who have lived and done amazing things for God, and Abel's one of the first on the list. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, and he was commended for it. God commended him for it. He did it out of faith. He gave God the fattened calf out of faith. He gave his firstborn out of faith faith. He was doing it to honor God and to please God. And because he loved God, that was why he gave his best and his first. Cain, on the other hand, gave for less honorable reasons. Maybe he wanted to be noticed. His reaction tells us that that could have been the case. He really overreacted when God didn't accept this offering. He killed somebody. The rage and the bitterness that grew in his heart came out of wrong intentions from the very beginning. When God didn't accept his sacrifice, he was filled with rage and acted out either because he wanted to impress God and didn't, or because he felt like he had to give something, and what he gave wasn't accepted, but Abel's was, and it was jealousy. It doesn't really matter which. You and I are often guilty of both. Maybe you just like to be seen You want to be seen giving big or serving big or even just serving somewhere where people are going to see you because it feels good to get that thank you and to be noticed. Maybe you don't want to give it all financially, but you feel like you have to, and so you give a little bit begrudgingly. Jesus talks about all this in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, 
When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. That is not metaphorical. That is literally what the religious people were doing in the time of Jesus. Sounding trumpets for people to see them as they gave to the poor. And Jesus said, they've already received their reward. There's nothing else coming for them. When we give, our heart condition matters. And again, it could be how we give our money, how we give our time, what we prioritize in our hearts. God doesn't want your Bible reading time to be a spectacle. He doesn't want the way that you give your time to be a spectacle. It can be an example for your kids, for your friends, for your coworkers, but not just a way for you to get noticed and someone to praise you for your piousness. It's not a way to get likes online. He doesn't want you to join the worship team just so people can see you on a stage. And he doesn't want you to give just to look or even just feel important. That's why we do it. Our priorities are disordered. The same goes for when we give begrudgingly because we think we have to. When we serve as little as possible with no enthusiasm because we're checking off a box or because somebody told you they needed help. When we give a few dollars a month as an afterthought, or when we give to an offering like Legacy because we felt pressured, our priorities are disordered. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. He says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. In one of his letters that he writes, he tells them, Go ahead and and be talking about what you're going to give and collect it before I get there so that we don't even have to talk about it once I'm there. The idea is that we should give out of wisdom and planning. And when our hearts are in the right position, it's the way that Abel gave, out of joy, in a way that is intentional, not in a way that was high pressure and stressful and, oh my gosh, here comes the silver plate, I better put something in it, or else they're going to see me. And what if they see me? We tell you about legacy so far in advance so that you can plan and make a decision in your heart to make that kind of generosity a priority. Not because we want a few weeks for guilt to build up in you. We want you to give joyfully and cheerfully and without guilt. Because the wrong way, and when our priorities are disordered, it has grave consequences. Like we see here in Cain. The third thing that we see in Cain is that disordered priorities lead to a disordered heart. Disordered priorities lead to a disordered heart. The most famous part of this story is the way that Cain responds. God accepts Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And so Cain commits premeditated murder in retaliation. That's a pretty extreme response, especially when you see the way that God responded to Cain. It says, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Hey, Cain, I'll accept yours as well if it comes from the right place. If you get your priorities right, you also will be accepted. Do you see the grace of God coming through here? 
I think the grace of God is not something that just shows up in the New Testament. His unbelievable compassion and grace is visible from the very beginning of the story. When he's punishing Adam and Eve, he offers to clothe them because he's worried about how they feel ashamed. He gets into this story with Cain and Abel, and he tells Cain, even though I did not accept your sacrifice, it does not mean I do not accept you, Cain. I will accept you if you just do the right thing. And then he gives him a warning. He says, if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you've got to rule over it, Cain. I know you've got bitterness brewing in your heart over this. I see it. Don't let it rule over you. He shows grace and compassion in his response. His response to Cain wasn't angry or vengeful. He doesn't offer a punishment. He just says he didn't accept his offering because it wasn't Cain's first and best. When Cain got angry, God even asked him, why are you so angry? He said, just try again. And he warned him that when he doesn't do the right thing, sin is right there at the door waiting to rule over his heart. God tells Cain all this to help him understand that if he didn't get his priorities in order, his heart was going to get out of order. He would open it up to sin and shame and pain and bitterness and rage and all the things that actually led Cain to murder his brother. God really cares for you, and he wants you to experience joy and have a good life. He designed you. He knows what is going to make you feel the most content, the most satisfied, the most full in this life, because he built you. And he's telling you to do the things that he calls you to do throughout Scripture because he desires that joy and that peace and that satisfaction for you. That's why he gives you this order to live by that is the correct order to live by. He made you. He designed you to have him first in your life. And when you do that, you will experience the fullness of this life. But when you don't, things get very messy very quickly. Jesus teaches a lot about this in Matthew chapter 6. He talks about, he goes on and says, hey, listen, I know you're going to worry about how much money you have and, and whether or not you have clothes and a place to sleep. And I'm telling you, don't worry about those things. God wants to take care of you. He wants you to get your priorities correct so that those things are easier for you. And it says this. I jumped ahead. That's, that's going to be in the next point. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In other words, where you put first in your heart, whatever comes first is where your heart is going to go as well. Where you put your money, where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. He says that to help us understand the principle of priority. Cain wanted to keep the best for himself. And when he did that, his heart got out of order because where your treasure is, your heart goes also. Wherever you, whatever you put first has got your heart. And disorder there leads to disaster. That's what the story of Cain and Abel is all about. Disordered priorities leading to a disordered heart. Deuteronomy 14.23 teaches us that the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. It's always been about priority. Priority. And it's about a lot more than money. 
the principle of priority is about how we arrange every area of our lives, how we serve, how we love people, how we order our day, our week, our month, our year. It's about the way that we live. Jesus is pretty clear in his teachings. Whenever someone asks to follow him, he wants to be first. Do not put anything above me and follow me. He has a a young man with a lot of wealth come and ask to follow him. And Jesus says, you can follow me if you go first and sell all that you own and then come and follow me. And then it says the man left with his head hung low because he had much and he wasn't willing to give it all away. There's another story where a man wants to go and take care of his aging parents. And he says, let me go and bury my father before I follow you. And it really just means let me go take care of my aging father before I come follow you. And Jesus says, no, if you want to follow me, you've got to go all in and follow me with everything that you are today. Every, every time he has this conversation, people leave. Why? Because they're afraid of the cost of following Jesus. God is very clear from the beginning of Scripture that he aims to be first in your heart and in your life. And if you want to experience the goodness of a relationship with him, if you want to feel whole in this life, having him as the first part of your priority, giving him the first and best of everything that you are and everything that you have is a key and crucial element to this. You will not understand all that it means to follow Jesus until you know how to give him your first and best of everything. That's what the story of Cain and Abel is all about, and it is a common thread throughout the whole of Scripture. And so today, let's live by the principle of priority. First way that you do that, very simply, is give God your first. Give him the first. Give him the first of everything. This idea goes back to Cain and Abel, and then we see it a few chapters and hundreds of years later with Abraham. He brings the first and best 10% of all he has before the high priest. That's before the law is written. We see it in the law of Moses. Exodus 23, it says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. It's everywhere. It's all throughout Scripture. My favorite place is in this space in the Sermon on the Mount. It's like I was just talking about at the end of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is saying, I know that you're worried about all these things. You're worried about your life and your provision. I understand that. But you need to trust God with these things. And he gives this advice. And this is the, my favorite spot. We see the principle of priority written in the pages of Scripture. It's Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of, does it mean that if you go to church every week, you don't need to go to work because God's going to just take care of it? That's not what that means. That's not what he's trying to help you understand. He's not saying that if you put him first, your life is always going to be easy or that it's going to be filled with financial. It's not saying put him first and then buy a Powerball ticket because God's going to take care of you. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
What it teaches is that disordered priorities lead to a disordered heart. That you cannot have the richness of joy and the richness of faith. And you can't understand what it means to truly come alive in him until he is the number one priority in your life. That all these other things are going to become secondary to you once you seek him first and his righteousness. And all these other things are going to be out. He's going to take the stress away, the anxiety away from these things and help you in those things. He's not just going to give you all these things, but they're going to become a lot easier once your heart is full and in the right position and in the right order. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. It's the principle of priority. We give him the first of everything. And so how do we do that? I'll make it practical for you. Some very practical things that you can do. First, give him the first part of your year. See, I break it down into giving him the first part of my year, my week, my day, my finances. I give him the first of everything. And the way that I give him the first of my year is something we do together as a church. We are six weeks away from the year 2023 today. Did you know that? It's over. 2022 is over. Just count, call it. It's done. We did it. It was great. It was fine. It went by really fast. And I think that's because of how slow 2020 and 2021 went by. We're trying to catch up now in the grand scheme of things. And six weeks will be 2023. And we'll be starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year is about giving God the first part of our year. We fast. It means that we say no to something that we need physically so that we can say yes to something that we need spiritually. It's to be reminded that the spiritual is more important and greater on our list of priorities than even the physical. That's what a fast is about. And we fast for those first three weeks. I'll tell you about all the different ways that we can fast and what all 21 days of prayer means when we get closer to it. That's six weeks away. Don't worry about that. I'm telling you to just start preparing in your heart to give God the first part of your year as a way of beginning to grasp the principle of priority. Give him the first part of your year. Give him the first part of your week here. Give him the first part of your week for thousands of years. This has been a, something that Christians just took as something that we needed for ourselves and something that we would sacrifice and give to God the very first part of our week. They begin doing it on the first day of the week, which is Sunday for us, back when Jesus was resurrected, because he was resurrected on a Sunday, on the first day of the week. And they got together every first day of the week to honor and worship him and to serve the church through him, serve him through the church. And before that, they would gather together every week to worship God in the temple. And it's always been a part of who we are and it's always had great importance and now greater than ever because the church is the hope of the world. It is the plan through which Jesus established to save all of mankind, to expose them to his good news. And so begin your week by coming into the space and worshiping. And being in your community and giving God your first and best, not just coming in and attending, but come in and submit yourself to the act of worship. Learn from his word. Be a part of what we are doing here. Give him your first and best by committing to serve his church. We believe that your purpose in life is to serve God and to serve people. 
And the way that we can do that together is through the context of the local church. Give him your best and show up and serve, not just don't come and serve haphazardly. God doesn't want the sacrifice of Cain from you. He doesn't want you to give him what's left over. He doesn't want you to just come and be a part of it a little bit. He wants you to give what he's, he wants you to invest the talent that he's given you and do it all the way, to go all in, to give him your best. Show up and give him your best because that's what he's asked of you. And it's what he deserves and it will, it's what will honor and bless you. Come be a part of what we're doing here. Give him the first part of your week. Give him the first part of your week. Give him the first part of your day. Give him the first part of your day. We talk about the spiritual disciplines here, and next year I've got a plan to help you learn and invest more into the spiritual disciplines. I'm so excited to tell you about in the next couple of weeks, and so be paying attention for that. And uh, I hope that you'll invest in that next year. And the spiritual disciplines are so important. Some of them are worship and prayer and scripture reading and silence and solitude, all these important things that help us as we form more spiritually. We're spiritually formed into mature followers of Jesus. You may not have time for your spiritual disciplines first thing in the morning. If you do, that's where they belong. Put them in the very first part of your day because you are giving God the best and first. You're giving him the first part of your day, principle of priority. But I know some of you guys start work at 4 a.m. or that your kids, for some reason, are awake at 4 a.m. and in your life. I know. I know. We can't all give God a long spiritual discipline moment at the beginning of the day, but you can give him the first part of your day. Different ways. Maybe it just means that the first thing that hits your ears in the morning after your children begging you for milk or a TV show or something is worship. Before you turn on your favorite morning radio show, let the first thing that hits your ears, comes into your mind and penetrates your heart every morning be something that glorifies God. The first thing that you see on that phone every day does not have to be emails, text messages, or social media. It can be the holy word of God. You have a, an app that you can get for free on your phone called the Bible app. It will give you a verse of the day every day. Maybe you don't have time for a long Bible reading first thing in the morning, but you do have time to read one word out of the written word of God and let that be the first thing to penetrate your mind in the morning. Give him the first part of your day. You can let the first words that pass your lips in the morning not be, would you be quiet? I'm just, just telling you about my life on the weekends. Um, it doesn't have to be, give me that cup of coffee before you talk to me. It can be gratitude to God. You can speak to him in prayer first thing in the morning. Give him the first part of your day and see how it reorders and rearranges the rest of your day. It is the principle of priority. Give him the very first part of your day. And the principle of priority says, give God the very first part of your finances, the first part of your finances. I believe that the whole of scripture teaches this as a tithe, as 10%. In fact, in the Old Testament ways, in the Jewish world, it was 10% every third year, and then, or 10% for two years, and then every third year it was 20%. They would give an additional 10% to fund all the major parties they were going to have that year. And then there was also a temple tax where they would give an additional amount of money to support the temple. And there was all kinds of crazy amounts of generosity in the Old Testament church. 
But what we see consistently throughout scripture is this idea of 10%. My wife and I, we believed in this and lived by this principle long before we were in full-time ministry working at a church. In fact, before we got married, I did not tithe um, because I needed the cash. I was broke all the time. I was really, really bad with money when I was in my early 20s. I would eat at Outback Steakhouse and Red Lobster multiple times a week. I acknowledge that's not great, you guys. I know. I didn't know. I was young, and it was, it was, the, it was the times that we were living in, okay? There was nothing better than a blooming onion, and I defy you to challenge me on that. And so... Um, but I was broke. I was broke. And so when my wife and I were getting married and we were looking at our finances together for the first time, she said, Jim Mark, where, where do you give to the church? And I was like, I cannot afford to give to the church. I am very poor and I need to give. I am giving to charity. I'm giving to the poor and the poor is me. That's funny. And um, she told me that we needed to reorder our priorities and we needed to order our priorities properly. My wife was teaching me about the principle of priority when we first got married, and so we did. The first thing that we did was create a budget. If you don't have a budget, you probably should be living on a budget. And when we created a budget, the very first line item, not the last, not what was left over, not what appeared at the bottom, not what we may have had at the end of the month if everything went right, but the very first budget item was 10% to the church. And even though we didn't know how we were going to do it, we did it because we felt like that's how God had called us to live. And we did not get rich immediately. In fact, it was difficult. We had to make cuts in places. We had to get wiser with our money. But what we noticed was at the more that that became a normal part of our lives, the less we lived in the stress of disorder anymore. Our priorities were falling into the right place. It has never been an issue for us ever since. It has always been the very first part of our budget. Now, 10% is a big number if you've never given before. And we talk about things here like the giving ladder, like just take a step forward. But I think the bottom line is this. The amount is less important than the priority. God deserves your first, the very first part of what you have to give, whether it's your time, whether, it, whether it's your your calendar, your schedule, or whether it is your finances. He deserves to get what is on the top, not what is skimmed off the bottom. Give God the first. And then finally, give God the first. And the principle of priority also means give with the right heart. Give with the right heart. Number two, uh, there's a story in Chronicles where God calls the people of God uh, to give extra tithes and offerings beyond 10% for the building of the temple. And people show up big time for it. And it's amazing. It's in this season where they don't know, David doesn't know if they're going to be able to pay for this elaborate temple that God is calling them to build. And they, they show up and they do. And David's response is the way that our hearts should respond. The, the people come alongside David in this great celebration, this, this party. They're all dancing. They're, they're just so excited to be able to bless God in this way. And David says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to give like this, to thus to offer willingly? I went King James on accident in this passage. For all things come to you and out of your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all of our fathers were. Our days on this earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. 
In other words, God, we are so lowly and you are so high. Who are we that we should be able to give so generously? Oh, Lord, our God, all the abundance, everything extra that we have provided, all that we've given, all these finances, all that we've given for building you a house for your holy name, it comes from your hand and it is your own. God, everything I have is yours. And when I give back the first to God, whether it's my talents because he wrote them into my being or it's my time because I have given my whole life to him. So all of my time is his or it's my finances because everything I have, I have been given generously by the one who provides. I just return a portion of it back to him. The very first and the very best, I just return to him what is already his. And it gets my heart in the right position. It helps me to experience the joy and the fullness that this life was meant to have because my heart is ordered properly. Give cheerfully, humbly, honor God and from faith and he will accept and bless your offering. Give him your time joyfully because every moment that you have is a gift from him. Give him your talents joyfully he wrote them into your being. Give him your heart joyfully because he's done the work to heal it. Give him of your finances joyfully because he is your provider. We hold on to things like our finances often because we want to build security in our lives. But God says, let me be the security in your life. Let me be the one that you rely on. Stop trying to rely on your own self. Stop putting yourself on a higher pedestal. Trust in me. Let me be first and see where we can go together. If you're in here today and your priorities and your heart have been disordered all of your life and you can't make sense of it, you can't understand why you're always so anxious, stressed out, why nothing seems to work right, why you have all these feelings moving around inside of you that you're warring with, all the time. Maybe you're just out of order. Maybe you're in here and you do follow Jesus, but you have just been out of order for too long. Maybe you need to come back to him today and commit yourself to placing him first again today. Maybe you're in here and you've never had a relationship with him. And so your whole life's been out of order. I'm here to tell you that it can be better that all the disorder in your heart, it, it can be made still. You can have peace there. You can have joy there. You can have satisfaction there. And it begins in knowing God and having a relationship with him. If you're ready to do either of those today, you could pray with me this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, forgive me for being out of order. Forgive me for getting my priorities all mixed up, God, for getting confused in what truly matters. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my mistakes. All that I am today, Lord, I want to give it to you. I want to give you my first and my best. I believe that you are who you say you are, the maker of the universe, the author of salvation. And so I commit all that I am to you today. You get my best and my first this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.